Welcome back to What the How, a podcast in which we discuss the current events that are on our minds each week. I am the Notorious Chuck, and I'm currently a candidate for JD at the University of Pittsburgh School of Law. Joining me each week is my accomplice and number one lady, Kiana. Kiana is a freelance social media manager, primarily working with content marketing. Well, here we are again, another week. How's your week been so far, Kiana? It's been good. How about yours? Eh, I guess I've been doing okay. This week, I'd like to start the podcast off uh, in a little bit different manner than we normally do. I'm going to go ahead and play a quote. Let me say, as I've always said, and I will always continue to say, that riots are socially destructive and self-defeating. I'm still convinced that non-violence is the most potent weapon available to oppress people in their struggle for freedom and justice. I feel that violence will only create more social problems than they will solve, that in a real sense it is impractical for the Negro to even think of mounting a violent revolution in the United States. So I will continue to condemn riots and continue to say to my brothers and sisters that this is not the way. Continue to affirm that there is another way. But at the same time, it is as necessary for me to be as vigorous in condemning the conditions which cause persons to feel that they must engage in riotous activities as it is for me to condemn riots. I think America must see that riots do not develop out of thin air. Certain conditions continue to exist in our society, which must be condemned as vigorously as we condemn riots. In the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. What is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. It has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. So in a real sense, our nation's summers of riots are caused by our nation's winters of delay. As long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position of having these recurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Social justice and progress are the absolute guarantors of riot prevention. So as most of our listeners are probably aware, earlier this week, a gentleman by the name of George Floyd died while in police custody. There's a video. Um, If you haven't seen it, I don't necessarily recommend watching it. It's 
disturbing. It's not particularly gory, but it's you're watching a man in his last moments of life, and it's not pleasant. So I don't know if you watched the video or not, Kiana. Um, but as we all know also, as a result of this man's death, four officers were fired from the force. Um, and this spurred some Black Lives Matters protest in Minneapolis. And then, unfortunately, some rioting as well. So keeping Dr. King's words in mind that we just played a moment ago and thinking of the current situation, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are that um, the anger and the frustration is warranted. I personally don't know that I can get 100% on board with um, the riots in which, in the manner in which they are happening right now. Um, I think peaceful protest, um, for me personally, is probably where I am on that line. And I think once you cross a line, you sort of uh, defeat the purpose of your your message. Um, again, the anger and the hatred for what's happening and the frustration is completely warranted. Um, you know, but I, I think we we should be careful not to then sort of push ourselves back from the message we're, we're trying to convey. So I picked that particular quote from Dr. King because his words are kind of what guide my opinion. It's not that there isn't room for varying opinions. Obviously, some people feel that riots as a form of protest are appropriate. Um, I disagree, but that's their opinion. I, I tend to agree with Dr. King, like I said. Um, but I love his, his entire message. I mean, you listen to the first half and he's condemning rioting because rioting is counterproductive. I'm, I'm a little bit critical about why it's counterproductive. Um, on one hand, again, I, I don't particularly condone rioting because we want society to be tranquil. That's the word Dr. King used. He said that whites in that era were more concerned with tranquility than racial justice. And I'm just going to be honest, I am a little concerned about tranquility. We don't want to live in communities where violence is happening. So it is important to peacefully protest. And while Dr. King says that, he says at the same time, you can't condemn the riots without condemning the circumstances 
which lead to these riots. And I think one of the things that strikes me about his words as I listen to them, this is 55 or so years later. And it sounds like he's talking about today. We in this nation, and I say we, I'm really probably talking mostly about people who look like myself. We like to believe that we've made such tremendous strides, and in some ways we really have. Um, things have gotten better on a lot of fronts. But on a lot of other fronts, it's the same thing. Police are still brutalizing people, particularly black men. And quite frankly, if you're white, I don't want to hear you talking about, well, police brutalize white people too. We know that. But do you want to know what the difference is between when a police officer brutalizes a black man or a Hispanic man or any other man of color than when he or she brutalizes a white man. When he or she brutalizes a white man, he or she is much more likely to be held accountable. But what are your thoughts on that, Kiana? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I do think that there's more instances of police brutality against uh, people of of color. Um, I mean, specifically black men, but all people of color to some degree, yes. I mean, I don't know what really there is to say other than clearly there's an issue. There, um, I, I mean, I don't know what words there are to explain and or describe you know, what's, what's going on, you know, yes, do police, you know, harass and, you know, rough up people of all men of all races. Yes. Is there a higher instance of it with when it's a person of color? Yes. So, you know, I don't think you can make that argument. Well, they do it too. They do it more, and more men of color are dying because of it. And is that not the reason that the people in Minneapolis are upset, or the people in Baltimore when Freddie Gray died in police custody, or the people in Ferguson when Michael Brown died in an interaction with a police officer? I know some people will say, particularly with the Michael Brown incident, that, well, the officer was defending himself, and, and that may be true. Not all fatal force, excuse me, deadly force used by the police is unjustified. But even when it's justified, it's tragic. And particularly when there's no video and the circumstances are suspicious, the young man was unarmed and the police officer somehow had to shoot him. People are going to be angry. Why? This is probably more a question for me, and I don't know that I can answer it, but why don't white people understand that? Why don't white people understand 
why black people are upset when black men are killed in police custody or with interactions with the police. Because those white people that don't understand see black people as dangerous. Black people are killing themselves. They're gangbangers. They're, you know, drug addicts. So if they don't care about their community, you know, like, why should we? So there are white people that are afraid of black people. So they see it as justification. He must have been doing something wrong. Why are white people afraid of black people? The statistics say that you are far more likely to be assaulted or killed by a person who looks like you than somebody of a different race. Like and that applies across the board, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, because we still do tend to associate with people who look like ourselves more so than other people, our families tend to be of the same racial composition. I mean, obviously we're, we're an exception to that rule, but I mean, you know, your family all looks like you and my family all looks like me. And then we have a blended family with little brown kids. But besides people like us, you know, if, 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 if your spouse is white and everyone in your family's white, and all your friends are white. If somebody wants to kill you, it's going to be a white person. So why is black on black crime what people love to talk about? Because it's not it's not unique to black people. Do you have any ideas? Because I mean, I'm kind of at a loss of I mean, thought. Like I don't understand it. It's because that's what's in the news. That's what the narrative has been, that's what it will continue to be. That's the stereotype we see portrayed in movies and on TV. You know, it's, that's just this, you know, people believe what they see. So that's, I mean. No, I, I guess I get that. I mean, I think of a lot of the movies when you and I were growing up, which were probably significantly better than the movies before we were growing up, but I, I look at the roles in most mainstream movies and television shows that black men got. And they were using drugs or they were pimps or otherwise criminals. So, I mean, I guess I get that, you know, and I think that we all, regardless of race, are kind of conditioned to fear black men. Um, but uh, to move on a little bit, one of the things that I really wanted to address this week, because I am burning up about this, people have accused me of condoning the riots. And I, I, I do not. I, I want to I come out and say that up front. I do not condone the riots. But I have a major problem when certain people who are influential for whatever reason and perhaps shouldn't be. I won't name any names, but y'all probably know who I'm talking about. They say things like, well, how does burning down your own community promote justice? Meanwhile, I don't remember these people saying anything about how egregious this video was and how egregious it was that this man lost his life for potentially writing a bad check. 
Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he is a bad guy. But in that interaction with the police, he did not have to die. I didn't hear those people say not one thing about that. But now all of a sudden there's riots and they can discredit Black Lives Matter. All of a sudden they've got something to say. And you know what? That makes me angry because that's trying to equate the protesters, all of the protesters. Again, some some people probably do think rioting is a legitimate form of protest. I would disagree. We could have a discussion about that. But it's, it's painting all the protesters. It's painting people like you, Kiana. I know we're not in Minneapolis and we're not out on the streets protesting. But if we were, you would be peacefully protesting. These people would equate the looters and the rioters with you. I have a problem with that. What, what are your thoughts? Well, first, I want to go back and just say that I have not completely done my research on um, George Floyd, but from what I've seen on social media, he, not that you were calling him a bad guy, but I want to just say that the things that I have read, and there's um, an Instagram uh, video out there too, where he's talking about the state of the black community and how you know, we need to come together and address the issues. So, you know, I just wanted to... to so let, let me respond to that. I didn't mean to make it sound like no, I was I calling him a bad no, guy. No, I was saying I if, we, if we assume that he's a bad guy, because I almost guarantee you people that are trying to justify his... Death, and there are. I've seen it. Yeah. They're probably few and far between, hopefully. I'd like to think that. No, anyway. and I wasn't saying that. No, I just, work, but. no, I know, and I just wanted to make clear to anybody that maybe possibly misunderstood me. I'm just saying, if we if we take 100% what his critics say to be the truth in that interaction with law enforcement, he still did not have to die. Well, that's why I think, uh, you know, those social media posts and his friends have spoken out about his characters because they didn't want the negative narrative to overshadow who he really was. Now, um, I agree, and again, though, to get back to the question I was really trying to ask, why why are people who weren't concerned about George Floyd losing his life suddenly concerned that people are rioting about it? Because this now affects them being able to go to Target and Starbucks and whatever else, uh, is in the path. I mean, they. And I think that's what the rioters. Those I, let's let's be let's be honest. Some people are out there rioting and looting just to be opportunistic. Somebody's already broken their door down to Target. I'm going to go in there, and I, I saw a white dude stealing a Lego set. You know, like I'm just going to steal stuff because why not? So some people are out there. Being opportunistic. But I do believe there's at least a little bit of overlap with people that were protesting and those rioting. And I think those that believe rioting is a valid form of protest think that because now it affects you. Several years ago when Black Lives Matter was blocking traffic and a bunch of white people had a problem with that. And listen, I'm the first one to admit that if you're blocking traffic, I'm not going to be very happy. But 
white people had a problem because it affected them. So I think that's what pro- the protesters that are rioting are trying to do. They want you to be affected because why don't white people care when a black man dies? Because not that many white people have really close black friends or family members. It doesn't really affect them. And when you don't know people that look like George Floyd, it's easier to dehumanize people that look like George Floyd. They're just whining. Racism is a thing of the past. I don't personally hate black people. Police officers kill white people too. This, that, the other thing. White lives matter. All lives matter. Like, I'm actually glad I said all lives matter because this is a point I specifically wanted to make on this podcast. If you have a problem with people saying black lives matter, that's a you problem. There is no implicit only black lives matter. The reason people are saying that black lives matter is because to far too many people still today, black lives do not matter. So don't open your mouth and say all lives matter because all lives do not matter until black lives matter. Would you like to add anything to my little rant there? No, I mean, I think you summed it up that, you know, some uh, non-black people, um, you know, people of color don't, they don't care. They don't get fired up because it's not directly affecting them. They, They don't have to worry about their kids walking down the street or, you know, doing everyday tasks. So if it doesn't affect their everyday lives, then they're not going to worry about it. You know, going to Target and getting, you know, like those things. And I don't know what else, you know, what other areas within the city there they are um, affecting, but that's now it's affecting other people. It's not just affecting black people. It's affecting everybody else. So now, like, they want to care. And here's the thing that's so backwards about it to me. Like, don't get me wrong. Again, 100% condemn rioting and looting. It's bad, but Target can be rebuilt. Its inventory can be replaced. I guarantee you Target has insurance. Right? So it looked like you want to say something. Go ahead. I will say I, I do understand a little bit where people are coming from when they're like, you know, these businesses had nothing to do with or whatever. I, I get that aspect. I get that now those employees now don't have a job to go to because the store is damaged. I do understand that point and that I think is where my line on peaceful protests goes is that once you start damaging property, you're now taking away someone's ability to make a living. And I get that. I just, that's, that's my, my issue then is that, you know, like you're now take, you're making your frustrations someone else's problem. I don't know if that, I don't know if that makes sense, but like, I kind of look at it as those target target employees 
could have very well, you know, been out there protesting the the murder, and then they go to work, and then they don't have a place to work because their job has now it's gone for however long it takes for Target to rebuild. So I think that's where my mind goes, and I think that's where some other people. Um, why they're like, oh, why are you doing this to your community? You know, it's because it's, it is affecting the entire community. And maybe that is the purpose of the riots when, when they get to that point. But I think, you know, in my head, and unless someone that has actually participated in a protest like this can, you know, explain it, because like I said, I've, I've never participated in a protest, so, you know, I'm, I don't know, but I would feel like you're, you're, you're maybe hurting the community even more when you do that. So, <clears throat> I'm going to keep reiterating this, and it's kind of a shame that I've got to reiterate this, but people love to twist any criticism you make about people placing more weight on the property crimes in a riot than on the death of a man in police custody. But you, you really are, you did help illustrate the point I'm trying to make. You're a target employee. Your target is now destroyed. What do you do tomorrow? Yeah, I mean that's the. No, no, I know, but I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm asking if, if it was you, what, what would you do I mean, tomorrow? Whatever Target's telling me to do, go in the store and rebuild, or stay home because there is no store for you to come to. Now, I'm upset because while I either a, you know, was on the side of social social justice, you know, now I'm like I don't have income and you know like while I support you know what's going on now I don't have a job or whether it's like well the police were justified and now I don't have a job so now I'm even more pissed so, like so I just think it's I mean it's just it's a whole it's it's a hot mess and which is why you know I think we just we have we have to be careful. Like, no, the property damage is not more than the life. Absolutely not. Like, that's ridiculous. And, and that's the point I was going to people make. People would try to even equate those two things. So my follow-up question was going to be, what is George Floyd going to do tomorrow? I mean, exactly. Like, that's, and, you know, and that's where, and, and that's, kind of where I, I was trying to go before was like, yes, like someone not having a job is not as important as this, uh, this man now not having a life, you know, and if people don't see that, like, I mean, that, that that's a problem, you know, so that's where I'm sort of like, you know, life is obviously more important than, you know, anything else. All right. So, my thing about it, it, and again, like, 
certain people, I saw a British white supremacist politician commenting on it. One, I'm not saying you can't comment on international issues, but you live in Great Britain. Why are you, you know, in, 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 in talking about the riots? And meanwhile, she did not comment on the tragic loss of this man's life, only the riots, because some people place a higher emphasis on the riots than George Floyd losing his life. Now, I am kind of a... The word that I'm trying to think of escapes me. I believe there's a gradient of wrong, right? Our criminal justice system is built off of a gradient of wrong. You serve more time for murder than you do for speeding. You don't serve any time for speeding unless you do it so... <laughs> to an excessive degree or whatever, you know, because <clears throat> in the grand scheme of things, murder's way worse than speeding. In the grand scheme of things, murder is way worse than looting. Murder is way worse than having a riot. So if your priorities are so bass backwards that you're placing more emphasis on the looting than the loss of this man's life, I have a problem with that. And that's the point that I'm trying to make. That's the point that people are trying to twist and say, oh, well, you 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 can think both are wrong. I do think both are wrong. I think littering's wrong too, but you know what? When I go outside and I see someone litter, I don't say, oh, well, this is why George Floyd was killed because y'all be littering out here. Like, no, what sense does that make? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think there is a level of right and wrongness where you can see the rightness in the protests. You can see the rightness and the anger and the frustration, but you can also see the wrong in damaging property. There is no right and what happened to George Floyd. Like, that was just wrong. You know, like, allow these, allow people to to be angry, allow them to be frustrated, allow them to, you know, say what they need to say. You know, um, I've not read anywhere that, you know, there have been any, um, Injuries. I think I've seen where some people have been arrested, but there. Are I believe somebody got shot, but it was somebody who was breaking into a business. So it wasn't a protester slash rioter or whatever you want to hurting somebody. It was somebody yeah. defending their property, okay. which is still tragic, but yeah. So something we talked about a minute ago. One of the reasons that some people have a hard time feeling the necessary compassion for people like George Floyd, who tragically lose their lives at the hands of police, is because it doesn't affect them. Well, I ask myself sometimes, why am I so fired up? Like, is it only because I have brown sons whom the world is going to view 
as black men. And some people, that's all they'll ever see. And because black men are threatening and scary, my sons may wind up in a situation like George Floyd did. So that does, it directly affects me. So am I only concerned? I'd like to think that I would be concerned anyway. I mean, we all know I have a relatively diverse group of friends. So I have exposure to black and brown people outside of just this little bit. But, you know, I mean, friends and family are completely different. Like your, your son being affected versus your friend being affected completely different. So that's one thing I think about. I mean, one, I think, I think you would be just as affected if something like this were to come up with a friend as you would, you know, the boys. So I, I mean, but I think that's who you are. And again, it goes back to if you don't have uh, people of color in your life, then this isn't, this may not resonate with you as much. I know that I've seen um, a lot of uh, people on social media sort of um, standing up and saying that they're allies, you know, with the cause and that they're sort of doing a call, of, call to action for white people to sort of to speak up and, and stand up and say, you know, like the treatment of people of color, specifically black men is wrong, you know, and I don't know if I, I just feel like, like why why do they have to do that? Like, why is it not just something that people look at and say, you know what, this is wrong and I'm going to speak out about it. Like, I mean, you may not have black people in your life. I get that. But, you know, you see them at school and you see them at work and in church and at the store. Like, you have interaction with people of color every day. So one of those people, I would imagine, has to have some, whether it, how small it is, impact on your life for you to just be like, hey, you know what, like this is gross, this is wrong, what's happening to, to black men, you know, like I need to speak up. I've seen, um, I recently started scrolling through TikTok and this uh, white woman was saying how she grew up in a racist family. She grew up with her grandfather saying the N-word and other derogatory uh, names for other people of color, other other races. And she said she said those things too because that's what she knew. That's how she grew up. And she said, you know, like, I am now changing. And then on the other spectrum, I've seen people that have distanced themselves from their family because of this action. So I, because of actions like this. And so I, was, I kind of feel like, why isn't everyone sort of 
making the connection that what was seemingly acceptable 50 plus years ago is not, it's not acceptable now. It's not okay now. Like everyone I feel should be on the same page that the blatant killing of black men is wrong. The racism that still happens today is wrong and something needs to to change. Something needs to, to happen. I mean, I, I personally believe the very first step, it's not the only thing, but it's probably the most important thing that you can do is go out and make friends with somebody that doesn't look like you, that doesn't believe like you. Like, just go make a friend. Take somebody to lunch. Go fishing. Whatever it is you like to do. But do it with somebody who does not look like you. And, but to kind of get back to, I guess one of the reasons that I'm thinking about my own motivations is, I mean, I've, I've been friends. I mean, I sound like a racist here. I got black friends, but I mean, seriously, I've had black friends for a long time. And Asian friends, Hispanic friends, I mean, you name it. Like, I just... That's just who I was. I've, I've always been friends. I mean, I'm friends with people that look like me too. Don't get me wrong, but I've always been friends with people that don't look like me. That's something that never mattered to me for some reason. And it's not that there wasn't any racism in my family. I mean, the racism in my family is not quite as egregious as it is in other families. But I mean, there's a little bit. I mean, if we're just going to be honest. Um, but for whatever reason, that never stopped me from having friends that didn't look like me. So I've always been kind of conscious of racial tensions. Well, I won't say always. It started in probably high school. I've been at the passenger in a car where somebody's been pulled over for driving black, basically. I've seen negative police interactions. I mean, clearly not to the degree of George Floyd, not even to the degree of, you know, battering somebody, but still like berating and, and being a general jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I've seen some things and I understood that. I've seen people in the mall, in, in the department stores following you because I'm standing too far from you. And, oh, here's this black lady. She must be stealing stuff. I've seen that. Right. But I don't think everything truly clicked for me until an event that happened relatively recently mm-hmm. and it involved our son. So... I want to welcome Owen to our show. How are you doing, Owen? Good. How about you? Oh, I'm doing all right. So I'm going to let Owen talk about what happened because I, I was not there. It was after school one day. Yeah, I think it was. Hold on. I, I still got to set the scene. Sorry. So there's a, a place of business that you can walk to from your school that has a lot of games in sports, and um, there's a restaurant in there or, like, food court, um, and just, like, a lot of activities, right? Yeah. So you went there with some friends. So tell me what happened. You, you first of all, clearly probably know the day I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me what happened. I think it might have been, like, around my birthday or something. I'm not entirely sure, but... Okay, so I I was hanging out with my friends, 
and we were ice skating and I'm not very experienced. So I fell and I hurt my shoulder. So I called you like, hey, you know, I hurt my shoulder. I need I need to go home. As I think I don't I don't remember who I called him. Anyway, so I, was, I called one of you two. And I'm the one that ended up getting you whoever you called. Yeah. Um, and the security guard came out like, hey, you know, come in. So I, that, that was cool because it's like, oh, OK, that, that's fine. But it takes about 15, maybe even 30 minutes for you to get. Yeah, to, like 15 or 20. Yeah, 15, 20 minutes for you to get to the get to the place, place of business. Now. And being that I had that my friends were still skating. And I, I didn't I didn't just want to sit there and wait for you to call me. So I went to walk around, you know, I had a couple of my other friends were there. So, so I sat on this bench outside of uh, their little soccer place. And he walked up, he walks up to me and he said, hey, you got to go somewhere supervised. To me, it was the second time they come up to me. That didn't make sense because one, my friends are there. And I mean, this is what probably really made me mad. There was a group of white kids standing there, not supervising. He didn't walk up and say anything to them. So, um, so, 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 excuse me, sorry, getting ahead of myself. So, I kind of left that alone because I'm like, what am I going to do about it? I get up, I walk, and I sit in the restaurant for probably about, I don't know, five minutes. And I got up to walk again because I, th I think... Um, I think I was going to walk back to the basketball place, but as I'm walking there, he says something to me again. To me, that doesn't make much sense because I get it. I'm not in a supervised area, but I'm still walking. So I, I don't know if he thought that like I was, I was like still like just like walking just to walk, but that that's sort of when I was like, okay, I need to do something about this. So I called you, um, my dad, I called my dad. And so I, I was fine. I sat back in the restaurant to call him because I didn't feel like having to deal with him while I'm calling you. And I tell you, and th this is probably what should have connected the first time you asked me, what does he look like? And I'm like, oh, he's an old white man. And you're like, that's probably why. I'm not sure why that didn't click with me the first time you came up to, even the second time you came up to me. But once he said that, that's sort of when it clicked. And once you got there, you were like, okay, you know, I want to see him and talk to him. We didn't, we didn't end up seeing him. Oh, no, he was nowhere to be found. Well, in, in a perfect world, those things shouldn't have had to click for you. It shouldn't... It's, it wasn't necessarily egregious, but the thing that bothered me, if you're going to enforce these rules that you have to be in a supervised area, fair enough, I guess, but why are other kids walking around unsupervised and you won't say anything to them? And so that was the day that I realized that my own son is subject to being racially profiled. And I was angry. I wish I had a chance to talk to the guy, but like I say, he was nowhere to be found. It was like he was hiding or something. Like he knew I wanted to talk. I just wanted to ask him like what the issue was. 
because he's trying to kick my son out of a place in which kids are allowed to be. Like their whole business is kids playing sports and games and eating food and having fun. So what was my child doing? I was going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's an adult. What was my child doing? Let me straighten the situation out. Or were you being a racist butthole? Because if you were being a racist butthole, we're going to have a problem, sir. Couldn't find the dude then. So, so at a, later, after, like way after this, I think I was there. And this is what really kind of reinforced to me that this guy was racist. There was a whole group of white kids. So I'm playing soccer with one of our friends way after this, right after the initial event. And there's just this big group of white kids standing there talking, not doing anything. And he, he, yes, he's standing there, but he doesn't say anything to them about they have to be in a supervised area. And like me and my friend are kind of just staring at him like, so how come this happened to me, but not them? That's sort of when I decided, like, I'm just not going to come back here after this unless I'm with one of my, unless I'm with one of my friends. With one of your white friends. I guess. Because it's easier not to have something said to you if you're with. So there's probably some people, well, the people that are listening to our podcasts probably don't feel like this, but there are some people that I know that would probably be like, well, that's nothing. And, and, and you know what? It, it really isn't. Like, that's not going to greatly affect Owen's life. He's not going to miss out on the opportunity to go to college because of this interaction with this gentleman. But the effects of racism, whether they be subtle or just straight up in your face, they affect Owen in a way that they never affected me. Again, I was I was there to see my friend get pulled over. Again, pretty much just because he was black. He wasn't speeding, nothing. Let's just pull him over. I was there. I saw it. But other than I had to sit on the side of the road in the passenger seat of my friend's car while the police harassed him, didn't affect me. Police don't pull me over for that crap. But that's something Owen and Grayson may very well have to deal with in their lives. And honestly, if that's all they have to deal with, I'm kind of happy. I mean, I would rather than not have to deal with it. But when 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 you, you put it in the context of what happened to Mr. Floyd, when you put it in the context of what happened to Trayvon Martin, to Mira Rice, I mean, both of those guys were boys. Yeah, Trayvon Martin was pretty tall because he was, what, 17, so he's almost an adult. But he was a boy. Tamir Rice was playing with a, a toy gun. Yes, not necessarily the smartest thing you could do in the world when it looks realistic, but he was, like, what, 11 or 12? Mm-hmm. He's a child. But that's, that's – so – you just said, like, it's not the smartest thing to do when it looks that realistic. My thing, he was 11 or 12 years old. No, I know. Like, so to him, he's not thinking, oh, this looks real. I better not go play with it, you know. So I think. That, that's the exact point I'm trying to yeah. make. It When the officer rolls up, like, 
I mean, I know some people can look older or younger than they are. Tamir Rice doesn't, doesn't, didn't look like an adult to me. In the pictures that I've seen of him, he did not look like an adult. So how is your first thought? Here's a child, not pointing this toy gun at me, but just holding it. Maybe it's a toy. He's 12. How was your first thought? Like, oh, even though he's not pointing that at me, the only choice I have is to shoot him because I fear for my life. And why, sir, do you fear for your life then? Because if it was a 12-year-old white kid, I don't believe that would happen. Hell, if it was an adult white man in the Michigan State Capitol, you wouldn't shoot him holding a real gun. Why are you shooting a 12-year-old boy holding a toy gun, not even pointing it at you? He was a boy. Yeah, I... I mean, all of this just sort of like, you know, it, it it's it's a lot. And I think after um, the first situation with Owen, like, you know, now you, as a parent, you have to realize that people don't see him as, I think at the time he was either, Owen was either 12 or just about, or like right at 13. Like they don't see him as a little kid. Like they see him as... A young black man. Yeah, like suspicious and something that they should fear. And it's kind of like, you know, it's nerve wracking. Uh, there was another incident where he had forgot his key. I was not at home to let him in. Um, so he decides to jump the fence to get into the backyard. And my first thought was, if we had some nosy neighbors that saw a brown kid jumping this fence because they know a white lady lives here, like, you know, that situation could have ended badly. So, like, I find myself constantly having to just sort of, like, gently remind Owen that, you know, we can't, and sadly, that I have to say that we can't do things like this. Just last weekend, we were taking a walk around our new neighborhood, and it was late. It was a Saturday, so it was, you know, fine, but he had, um, walked through someone's grass to try to scare his sister. And I'm like, you're a black kid in the dark. You can't walk through, you can't be hiding behind bushes in the, like in the dark. Like that's just not something that we can do. And I hate that. Those are things that I have to say to him, like, because he is, even though he's almost 14, he's still a little kid. Like, and now he's having to learn things that he can and can't do that his white peers are, are not learning. Things I never had to worry about. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, it's, it's different. I, you know, growing up, I didn't really experience a lot. I mean, I've been, called the N-word, and I've, you know, been followed around. There used to be a, a little convenient, like, uh, car drugs, like a little uh, pharmacy. I was, you know, followed around uh, that store. And then, like you said, a couple years ago, just in a national department store. Grown woman um, dressed like a grown woman dresses, like... 
just, you know, looking at the, the jewelry and the lady is following me, trying to be conspicuous back and forth. And the moment, I don't know if you walked up to me or I walked up to you, but she just... I walked up to you and I did it on purpose. Yeah, and she just completely stopped, you know, like she didn't follow me anymore. She didn't, you know, keep an eye on me. So it's just, it's, um, it's different. It's, um, you know, so now I have... A different worry because like you know I've got two boys that I now have to sort of like teach them the black experience but again my black experience is going to be completely different than theirs because they are men so I do the best that I can yeah, and they've got my dad, and they've got my uncles, and 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 so I'm I'm not I'm not worried, but like, in the meantime, between the times that my dad can have these conversations with with Owen, you know, it's just sort of like, you know, like again, little things like you can't jump the fence. Like, yes, you live here. Like, you have lived here for years. Um, this is. You know, did a police officer recently kill a man? I think his name was Gene Botham or something along that nature. I believe it was in Dallas. Somehow the police officer accidentally walks up into his apartment thinking it's hers and she killed him. You can yeah. you could be killed in your own house. Yeah. People get the police called on them to their own house. Yeah. So it's just it's it's you know it's a scary time for parents for black parents and I know that we have a few um, families that we know that are um, interracial couples that you know have to have these conversations now and it's just you know it's a lot and and maybe not even to go as far as you know um, being murdered just even with the um, the Amy Cooper case, even just having the cops called on you because someone can call the cops on you is now also something that... Oh, and how people could defend her, I wasn't necessarily going to bring her up, but... Well, but I'm just saying, like, I know that there's a lot of, you know, napping while black and the, the, like, uh, just different... No, I know, but, but the point I wanted to make about her real quick since you brought her up, and I'm sorry that I interrupted you, though, is she knew that as a black man... He should fear the police. And I'm going to call the police on you and tell them you're threatening me. Making up a bold-faced lie about this man. Like, and and the fact that people will defend. That, that's, that's terrible. Some people have gone so far as saying, oh, she knew that the police might kill him like they did Mr. Floyd. I won't go quite that far. Maybe that was a thought in her mind, but she she definitely thought the police will harass this man. She definitely thought that. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So now that's also something, you know, like that. You know, these these kids growing up now have to have to deal with, and it's just like like a um, it's it's just hard trying to explain to your kids now why these things are happening. It's hard to explain to them you know, 
like you don't know what type of interactions you want your you want your kids to have respectful uh, interactions with the police. But I know that there are some people that are saying like, you know, like, no, but it's just, it's a hard situation because you, you want your kids to come home. I've had conversations with Owen, like, you know, I don't know how your, your friends are being raised, but I know how you're being raised. And I know that you know the right and wrong things. And I know that you know what to do. My goal is that when you are leaving this house, that you come back to this house. Um, and I, you know, that's just a scary thought that he's going to continue to grow. And that every time he leaves the house, we're going to have that worry that, you know, he may not come home. So I struggle with, so my, my advice to my own children, because I worry about them would be, be respectful to the police officers, even when they're not being respectful to you. Comply with whatever they're asking you to do. Um, but that can be bad advice sometimes too. I've seen police officers, like two different officers giving conflicting command. Like it's something straight out of like army boot camp that they do to mess with your head. And then shoot a black man because he's like, I, I don't know who the hell to listen to. I've seen that. So like even complying. I think of Philando Castile, also in Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken, who got shot as a registered, licensed, concealed carry permit holder, tells the officer, hey, I have a concealed permit. Look, I have a concealed to carry permit. Tells the officer, hey, I have a concealed to carry permit. My weapon's on me. The officer's like, let me see your license. Well, it's in my pocket and my... Pistol's over here. Let me see your license. Boom. Shoots. Like, what kind of sense does that make? I mean, I think there needs to be some sort of overhaul for um, just the process for these. Because you can also look at the Breonna Taylor case where they didn't announce. Um, no, not great. Yeah. Like, and her, her, her boyfriend or fiance, I'm not sure which one did what any man is going to do. Someone is breaking down my door. I'm going to protect the people that live here. And she ended up dead and he ended up in jail. I'm pretty sure they dropped the charges, they, but that ain't going to bring her did, back. Yeah, they did because the person that they were looking for was, was already in custody. jail. So it's just like these processes just need to be, something needs to be done. I, I think I've seen too many times where the de-escalation works with white suspects way more than it works with black suspects. So I'm going to hop on my soapbox here a little bit. Um, as a white man, I, I don't know what to do to be, I don't particularly like the term ally, but I know that that's the term that people are using. So I, I don't know what to do to be an ally all the time. Um, no matter what I do, somebody's going to think it's the wrong thing on one side or the other, possibly both. But generally, I, I comply with the police, even when they're jerks to me. But I'm not sure that's the right thing to do. When a police officer asks, not that this has happened often, but it's happened, 
the next time a police officer asks me if he or she can search my vehicle, I think I'm going to say no. Because technically, you need a warrant to search my vehicle. No, I don't really have anything to hide. And that's normally why in the past, or the, the one time that it happened, I was like, sure, go ahead, whatever. No big deal. But I think it's wrong, because I see videos, and, and this relates more to Hispanic people, the videos that I'm talking about, than, than black folks, but this is still a problem. Um, we went through one of these checkpoints in um, Texas, somewhere near El Paso, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it was in New Mexico. Maybe both. I can't remember. That was one heck of a trip. But um, I've seen videos of, it was a white lady, but I've seen videos of white, white people that, you know, refusing to cooperate with them. And then in the comment section, because there's always a comment section, well, why wouldn't you just comply with him? Blah, 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 blah. Because she doesn't have to. The Constitution, excuse me, the Bill of Rights, which I mean is part of the Constitution, but the Bill of Rights, the Fifth Amendment, you don't have to incriminate yourself. The Fourth Amendment, you don't have to, you know, illegal search and seizure. You don't have to consent to a search if you don't want to, unless they have probable cause, and then they've got to get a warrant. Well, not necessarily. If it's enough probable cause, they, they can then go ahead. But there's rules that they have to follow, but that's also probably why sometimes they love to be like, I thought I smelled marijuana. I don't know. I mean, from a purely selfish standpoint, the best thing that any of us can do when interacting with police officers is probably to comply. It's not necessarily going to work out for you all the time if you're black or Hispanic, because again, we just gave a few examples of times that it did not work out for people that didn't look like me. But you still probably have a better chance of survival if you comply with the police. But if me as a white man complies with the police, even when they're asking me to do things that I don't have to consent to, is that really helping black folks? Because they're asking black folks far more often, can I search your car, than they're asking me. They're stopping black folks far more often on pretextual traffic stops, hoping to find drugs, hey, can I search your car, than they're stopping me. And then when those black folks say, no, you can't search my car, and stuff goes sideways, they get blamed. I don't think I'm going to, I mean, I'm not going to go out of my way to like resist arrest or assault a police officer. But seriously, the next time the police officer asks me, can I search your car? Can I do this? Can I, no, you can't. So that's kind of my soapbox. I think um, you you brought up the Bill of Rights. Like, I don't ever remember learning what the police can and cannot do in civics class. So I think that is an issue, is that people don't know what the police have the right to ask and what the police have the right to do because you're taught 
the police are there to protect you, so you, you know, are, are led to believe that you should do and say what the police are asking you to do, but through a little bit of research on my own and some um, YouTube videos that I've seen and just a little bit of what, you know, we've discussed, like, I know that there are things that you don't have to comply, you know, with the police, you know, when you're interacting with them, but I think that is something that people need to know. They need to know what they legally can and cannot say to the police. They need to know, you know, like you said, the police don't have a right to search your car, you know, unless they have a search warrant. So I think that's a, a, a big thing, you know, so like, yes, we can teach our boys that, but because they're brown boys, that may not go over so well, but I think them having that knowledge um, is good. Like I've seen videos where um, uh, parents, black men uh, are teaching their sons, you know, when you're stopped, put this on the dashboard, put this on the dashboard, put your hands here. But it's like, why do we have to teach our brown boys that? Why, like, like that's where I'm. That's where I'm stuck. Like, I don't. I mean, it's it's good policy, even if you're white, to keep your hands on the wheel where he can see him. There's certain things. But but it. How many white parents are teaching their white sons to do that? Well, they that's, don't have to, so they don't. Exactly, that's my point. But I mean, the, the point I'm trying to make it's it's good. There's yeah. it's good policy. I mean. Anybody can be at risk for getting shot. Can be at risk of getting shot by the police if they do the wrong thing. Now, my risk of getting shot by the police is probably, short of pointing a gun at a police officer, is probably never as high as Owens. Or even yours. You're, you're a woman. Black women don't get shot as often, but you're still black. And I understand that. But I mean, again, I mean, best policy is to to comply, in my opinion. People will disagree with that. But I mean, from a purely like, I want to go home at the end of the day without holes in me, mm -hmm. I'm going to comply. Because even if they take your butt downtown and book you into that jail on some trumped up bull crap, you are still alive. Right. So again, I would say that's best policy. Go ahead and say what you want to say, but there's something else I want to follow up with. I just, like, all of it just rubs me the wrong way. Because it's like, like, because now, okay, I've complied, or Owen or Grayson, they've complied, but now they're being booked because this cop wants to be a jerk. And now it's like, now these... But now these boys, like Owen and Grayson and so many other, now have this experience for no reason other than this cop wanted to be that type of cop. And I just, I feel like my mom heart is just like, that's just, it's heartbreaking that these boys, like, it's kind of like one or the other. I can defend myself and I can speak up for myself 
or I can, you know, just completely let this person degrade me because he can. So it's just like I, it just. Uh, I mean, there's definitely no perfect answer. One thing I think I want to say before I say what I really want to say. I do respect the job that most police officers do. Um, some of our listeners who've known me for a while will know that I did work at the Wake County Detention Center as a detention officer for the Wake County Sheriff's Office in Raleigh, North Carolina. So I know police officers, I know deputies. Uh, one of my best friends from Iraq is an investigator for the uh, Durham Police Department. So I, I know police officers. I don't think they're all bad. But there's a bad element. Just like any other segment of society, there's a bad element. But police officers, there's just some elements, some jobs. You can't, there's, there's just no room for people that suck at that job. Like, if you're a pilot, you can't suck. You know what I mean? Because you, you could kill hundreds of people in the back of your aircraft. If you're a police officer, you can't suck. And guess what? Some police officers suck. I think they need to uh, go back to having police officers in the schools. Because what I feel like you get to know these kids. You get to know their personalities. You know, you're, you, you see one of these kids... You know, you're more likely to be, you know, like, well, I know this kid. Like, that's not something he would do, so I can approach the situation differently. So I think that, you know, because I know when we were growing up, we had, you know, I don't know if they still do that now. Resource Just, officers, they do. There's something. But, but I think when we were growing up, at least in my, I went to elementary school up here up north, so I think it was a little different where, like, but see, we got to talk with the police officers and things like that. In your neighborhood, in Philadelphia, everyone probably looked like you, if I had to guess. Right? Yeah. The school resource officer, I don't know if he or she looked like you, but I'd say there's a strong chance that he or she did. I mean, Do you remember? Maybe, I don't, I don't okay. remember. So... I don't remember school resource officers until I was in high school. Uh, the deputy that was there while I was there was a black man. But one of the things that I've read, and I don't know if this was an issue in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, but as a, as, a, as a general statewide North Carolina thing, Officers, the resource officers were arresting black students far more often. One of the things I don't agree with that resource officers do sometimes, I mean, in proper policy could probably make it okay to have an officer in the, the school. But if, you know, two 15-year-olds get into a fist fight, well, no, in North Carolina, that they would still be juveniles. So if two 16-year-olds, you know, two sophomores, juniors in high school get into a fist fight, they arrest them. And charge them as adults. Like, the stupid. It's a school fight. I'm not saying there should be no consequences, but do you need a permanent record because somebody told her your mama joke that you didn't like and you punched him in the face? Well, and I'm not specifically talking about resource officers, but I'm talking about 
having, you know, a couple of officers come to the school and just talk to the students, not there oh, to gotcha. be, you know, but just sort of talk to the students. Get to know. Yeah. yeah okay, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Okay. Sorry. I, I misunderstood. I was thinking like full time. No. We, we, we work in the school. And, no. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so one thing I wanted to, to mention something when I really started to seriously consider pursuing a career in law, I started thinking about stop and frisk. And this is something that a lot of police departments have uh, abandoned, and I appreciate that. But there's still pretextual stops kind of fall under this umbrella, too. Here's a situation in which a police officer either pulls you over or stops you on the side of the road, and then they ask to search your car or to search your bags or whatever. They don't have to read you your rights. Meanwhile, if there was actually enough probable cause to arrest you for whatever reason, they would then have to tell you you have the right to remain silent, you have the right to an attorney, blah, blah, blah. Read the, all those Miranda rights because of Miranda v. Arizona. So let me ask you, and this is what doesn't make sense to me, and I mean, I know that the Supreme Court tries to rationalize it in some way, shape, or form, but how can somebody who is under enough suspicion to be arrested, have the right to know what their rights are when somebody who's actually under no suspicion whatsoever, other, I mean, the, the cop might actually be suspicious because, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you're black and you're walking down the road and you must have marijuana on your whatever, like, but that could be his only suspicion. Why do you not have to be made aware of your rights in those situations? The short answer to me in my opinion, is because people would, if they knew the rights, would simply be like, no, you can't search my car. Are you crazy? Because let's be honest, especially if you have drugs in your car, you are not letting that officer search your car. But if you don't know, you can say no. You can set and he can search the car and it incentivizes these types of searches because they don't think about all the times they were wrong. I searched this dude's car. I was wrong. Oh, well, no harm, no foul. The dude drives off. Well, that's what but when they make a bust, oh, yes. See, I was right. I mean, it goes back to education. It goes back to educating everyone about their rights with police officers, what they can and cannot do, what they are able to say in order to get that officer to end his line of questioning. No, look, I, I completely agree. One of the... Sad things about our law, our legal system, is you can't really read the Constitution and know what it means because of all the case law. I mean, I, I kind of like the stare decisis in case law because it means that once the Supreme Court decides something, every other lower court is now bound. And so it, it does kind of firm up what this law means. But it also means that the way you read it on the paper and the way that you would interpret it separate of this case law that if you're not an attorney, you have no idea exists. They don't necessarily mean the same thing. People read the Second Amendment and they believe that any regulation on firearms is an infringement on the Second Amendment. No, it's not. And the case law clearly states that. People read the First Amendment and the First Amendment sounds so absolute, shall not be infringed. 
You can't commit slander. You can't commit libel. You can't commit what they call fighting words, which would be an assault so egregious that an average man would punch another man in the face over it. You can't yell fire in a crowded movie theater. You can't incite people to uh, illegal conduct. I mean, and those are just categories of unprotected speech. The government can regulate even protected speech. And there's a whole series of case law that tells you the ways they can do it. And I mean, I've only scratched the surface. There's like whole courses on any single one of these amendments. And people just don't understand. So people think they know their rights. And they don't. Even people that have read the Constitution, and believe me, most people have not read the Constitution. But even people who have read the Constitution, they think they know what they read, have no idea. You've got to pay... Hundred fifty to two hundred thousand dollars to go to three years of law school to figure this crap out, and then let me let me tell you another little secret. Granted, I've only been through one year, but I I know people that have been through two and three and graduated and practicing attorneys. You still don't know anything. You just kind of know how to research it. You know a little bit. I know more than you do because I've taken the classes. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make me an expert. So the law can be very confusing. And I think sometimes by design. I kind of got off on a tangent there because, I mean, you know, the law is my bread and butter these days. Um, I want to wrap up by asking you, getting back to what we're really talking about. And there's a lot of people who don't believe you and me when we say that we have to teach Owen and Grayson how to interact with police and how to do this and how people will view them. There's a lot of people that will say that you and I are being divisive. We're the ones that are teaching the racism. Although allegedly in reverse, I suppose, because we're teaching them somehow to be racist against white people because white people aren't really racist. What would you say, I mean, these people probably wouldn't listen to you, but if they were willing to listen, what, what would you say to that criticism of raising young black men? I mean, first I would say, you know, um, don't criticize what you don't know. Um, you have not walked in a person of color's shoes ever, I would imagine. So therefore you cannot speak on my experience. You cannot speak on my son's experience. So, um, you know, just keep your mouth shut. Um, I'm going to raise my kids to be respectful, responsible, um, positive parts of society. And if everyone else does that, then we can hopefully move on from where we are right now in society. Um, So again, until you have walked in our shoes, you clearly don't have uh, the right to speak on our experiences. So when Owen was a, a baby, I ended up, I had done four years active duty Navy prior 
And I ended up joining the Army National Guard when he was 11 months old, I think. So I'm about to join the Guard, and someone we know didn't think joining the Guard was the right idea. This is, you know, George W. Bush is still president, and this person was not a huge fan of George W. Bush and the war in Iraq and, and was basically criticizing me for that. Uh, I'm not sure if he even knew that I had served prior. I feel like he probably did, but I, I don't know if that dawned on him. Like, why would I serve? Well, because I've already served. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I understand that you have objections, but this is me. And this is what I have to do for my family. And I think he was trying to be a jerk. But he asked me, well, what are you going to do to teach Owen how to be a black man in America? And so I thought about it for a second. And like I said, I think he was trying to be a jerk. And the best answer I could come up with at the time was like, well, all I can do is teach him how to be a man. And hopefully whatever he needs to know about being black, he can learn from Keanu. And I think that was a pretty good answer. But when I think back on that today, I think I know what he was trying to tell me. Again, I think he was trying to be a jerk at the time because we were having an argument. And he could have approached it in a better time and in, in, in a better way. But I think now I know exactly what he was trying to tell me. And back then I didn't. And again, at that point, you and I had been together quite a while. Like, so Owen was born in 2006. We'd been together seven years. Mm-hmm. I, I've been around black people plenty at that point in my life. And I still didn't understand what he was trying to say then. So no matter what you think you know, there's always more you could learn. And I don't pretend to be an expert on what it's like to be black because I don't know. I, I may, and I stress the, I very strongly stress the word may, have a better idea than the average white man. But that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean I know what it's really like. And that's why I started this episode with a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King. Because one, not only did it reflect exactly my opinion on the current situation in Minneapolis. But it's also who better to hear it from than somebody who lived it. I didn't live it. Mm -hmm. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. lived it. Owen's going to, well, he's already living it, but he's going to to live it. Mm -hmm. The men in your family have lived it. So... I guess my closing remarks would be don't assume you know everything and don't assume just because you view things from one perspective that somebody else can't view it from another perspective and both of you possibly be right about it in in some way. Would you like to say anything in closing, Kiana? Just, you know, be kind. Don't just be kind. Let's love each other and that's it. So um, I'll throw it to Owen for the absolute last word. He's been uh, he's been very patient and sat through this whole podcast, even though he was only a small part of what we wanted to talk about. But uh, since he's been a trooper, you've got the last word, Owen. Any advice for our, our friends out there? Is there anything that you would say, like if a white person asked you, what it's like to be black, what it's like to 
have to deal with some of the, you know, what it's like to have to deal with a racist security officer at a recreational facility down the street from your school. What would you say? Or, you know, like just, just a, some closing thoughts from your perspective. Dude, I, I don't know. I've never thought about that before, honestly. I mean, I don't know. So what do you think? Then let me fr- frame it this way. You have white friends. Sometimes you hang out with those white friends at this recreational facility or other areas. And sometimes you hang out with your non-white friends. And sometimes you all hang out together. Have you noticed that your white friends get treated differently than you sometimes? Well, yeah, I'm, I, How does that make you feel? I mean, it shouldn't have. I mean, I've never truly paid attention to it because, I mean, I shouldn't have to because I'm still only a kid, but I mean, clearly I have to now. Um, I mean, it kind of sucks that I got to go through this for the rest of my life, but I mean, it is what it is. All right. Well, we thank you all for joining us this week. Um, I don't really know what else to say to close out. Uh, email us what the how at outlook.com. You can leave us a voice message on our anchor page, which is anchor.fm forward slash Charles hyphen how. If you feel kind enough to contribute some money towards this podcast, you can also do that at the website, but um, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.